Good morning. <laughs> there we are. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. I have the privilege again of sharing the word with you. It's out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Will you join me in prayer? Father, we are so grateful that you are here with us this morning. We are here to lift you high, to bring praise unto your name, and to honor you in every way. Lord, we thank you for this charge that you've given us, and it humbles us. But it emboldens us too, Father, because we want others to know of you. And we are grateful that you are with us every step of the way, Father. Lord, we ask that you be with Sam as he brings the word. Bless it mightily and pour out your Holy Spirit in every way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Denise. Okay, can you guys hear me? Yeah? Yes? Yeah. This means yes, this means no. Okay, let me get this ready. This timed out. There we go. Okay, so for any of you guys who get us bald, bearded Texans mixed up, I am not Pastor Kevin. Hey, hi. Actually, Pastor Kevin is home with COVID, so please pray for him uh, and Brooke. I, as of right now, I don't think Brooke has it, so pray for her that she doesn't. Pray for Kevin that his symptoms go away, that the Lord heals him. So last night, it was around 6 or 6.30, I get a call from Pastor Kevin. And as a worship leader, when you get a call from your pastor on Saturday the night before service, it's not usually a good thing. So I answer. At first, I was like, oh, should I answer? I was like, no, I have to answer. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Um, so I answered. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. Feeling a little crummy. I tested positive for COVID. Okay. So I asked him how he was doing, how things were going, and... And then he goes, so I guess you know the second reason why I'm calling you. So good morning, I'm Pastor Sam, and I'm going to be bringing the message to you this morning. And if anyone was wondering why all of these flags are all around our sanctuary, it's because today we are celebrating Great Commission Day, which is an alliance initiative designed to help fuel the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And for any of you who aren't familiar with what the Great Commission is, Denise just read the Great Commission from Matthew. It is, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In fact, last year as a church, we developed a brand new mission statement centered around this call from the Lord. Who can tell me what that vision statement is? Right, to see our community and world develop a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone gets gold stars. Good job. 
Everyone in this room is called to be a participant in the Great Commission. Amen? And there are three ways that we participate in the Great Commission. And that's by living, going, and giving. And before we dive in, let's look at some statistics to get into the right mindset. In this world, there are 7.9 billion people alive today. And for some perspective, the United States only makes up 4% of that population. And this global population is represented by over 10,000 unique different people groups. And then these people groups are defined by four factors that come uh, with a combination of language, culture, religion, and geography. And in Matthew 28, what we just read in verse 19, when it says all nations, it's the Greek word ethnos, which means people groups. If you use the country of Gabon as an example, there are 52 different people groups where the Spronx serve as international workers. I guess we will fact check that. Is there 52 different people groups? They believe it. Give or take a few. There's one more people group when the Spronx go, so 53. But they're not unreached, so that's, that doesn't. Anyways, back to the. Of those 10,334 people groups in the world, a little over 4,500 of them are categorized as unreached. An unreached people group is usually defined by their population being less than 2% evangelical Christians and less than 5% Christians in general, including Catholic and other denominations. So those 4,500 groups represent 3.3 billion people. But that's not even the entire picture because there's many other countries that have less than 2% evangelical, and maybe they have Catholic organizations that make up more than 5%. So the total percentage of people who have little to no access to hearing the gospel rises to right about 60% of the world's population, or 4.7 billion people. Six out of 10 people in this world are likely to die without ever hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is not the great suggestion. It is a necessity so that billions of people would have access to the gospel. Billions upon billions of people are going to hell in this world today, and that doesn't seem to affect us sometimes in our daily life. May the faces of those perishing haunt us as they did minister Andrew Bonner in the 1800s, who would soak his pillow in tears on Saturday nights as he cried out, Oh, they perish, they perish, as people trampled around in their drunkenness and worldliness. The world around us is perishing, and we have to do something about it. Amen? Before we move on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time that we are gathered here today. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us to forgive us of our pride. Lord, forgive us of all of our selfishness. Forgive us of putting things before you that distract us to your true calling on our lives. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Help me speak your message clearly this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a lot of talk about calling in this life. At some point, we've all likely wrestled with the question, what am I called to do, right? Raise your hand. Who's ever asked that of themselves, okay? 
So I'm going to answer that for everybody. What you are called to do before anything else is to make disciples. The Great Commission is our primary calling in life. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a teacher or a business person, a pilot, a stay-at-home parent, or you're retired. Your primary calling is to participate in the Great Commission. It doesn't matter your age. So let's talk about how we do that. The first, we, well, first way we participate in the Great Commission is through living. You and I are called to live in light of the fact that Jesus is Lord. The writing on evangelist Leonard Ravenshill's tombstone says this, Are the things you're living for worth Christ's dying for? Let that sink in for a second. Are the things that we are living for worth Christ dying for? As Christians, our answer to this question should be a resounding yes, but a lot of times, it's not. We need a revelation of God's great love for us to change that. God saw our sin. Every time that we've gone astray and did things that deep down inside we knew that we shouldn't do, and I will raise both hands because all of us have been there. But instead of hating us, he forged a path of forgiveness for us. He came near to us in Jesus, lived the life how it was supposed to be lived, and in the end was killed by the very people who he came to save. Your sin was nailed, your sin has nailed him to the cross, and with every blow of the mallet, your sin was being paid for. He willingly gave up his life so that you and I might stand fully forgiven of every sin that we've ever committed. That's how much God loves you. And this should radically alter how we live our lives, right? Who played sports growing up? Is there any sport players? So did you ever have a team where there was an A team and a B team? Or a first string and a second string? Peter's like, yeah, I was on the B team. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. C team, they created it just for you, right? Or the varsity team or junior varsity team. Okay, so you guys are familiar with those terms. Hey, there's no A-team or B-team Christians. There's no varsity or junior varsity Christians. There's no super Christians or, oh, I'm just an ordinary Christian. God has called every one of us to be disciples of Jesus and to obey all of his commands. This is what A.W. Tozer said over 50 years ago. A notable heresy has come into being throughout our evangelical Christian circles. The widely accepted concept that we humans can choose to accept Christ only because he, we need him as a savior, and that we have the right to postpone our obedience to him as Lord as long as we want to. See, in the early church, becoming a Christian meant forsaking your former way of life, knowing that you'd likely get killed for your faith. And this is a concept that we've kind of lost in this Western world. With our freedoms, we've we've kind of lost what it was like in the early church to, to be followers of Christ and to truly be persecuted for their faith. And sometimes for us, being a Christian just means what church you're going to go to or singing songs or maybe reading the Bible every now and again or maybe for some it's where you lean politically, all while still being slaves to sin. This is what Dallas Willard referred to as being a vampire Christian. 
What a title. That would be a great Netflix show, right? Vampire Christians. And this is where, Vampire Christian, this is where we tell Jesus, I'd like a little of your blood, please, but I don't care to be your student or have your character. In fact, won't you just excuse me to go on and live my life, and I'll see you later in heaven. But can we really imagine that this is an approach that Jesus finds acceptable? We cannot live like hell throughout our lives and expect the king of heaven to be pleased with us. We must become authentic disciples of Jesus. And the goal here isn't to make anyone feel bad. Although the goal of church isn't necessarily to make you feel good either. If, you're, if you feel bad, if you feel convicted, if you feel pulled in some way as you're leaving church, then mission accomplished from the Holy Spirit. Because there should be some change in our heart. Church is not just a feel-good, let's go get a message and sing some songs and then go home. There should be some change from walking in to, to walking out. The Lord should be doing something in each one of our hearts. But the goal here today is to help us see the surpassing worth of following Jesus Christ. He died a gruesome death on the cross so that you and I could be saved for the penalty of our sins. He willfully gave up his life because of his great love for each one of you. And that's why we follow Jesus as disciples and follow his commands. But what does it mean to actually be a disciple of Christ? Now, we use the word disciple a lot in Christian circles, but sometimes they think that a lot of people don't really know what disciple means. What's the definition of disciple? The best word we can use to understand what a disciple truly is, is the word apprentice. Apprentices recognize that there is something that they need to know and willingly submit themselves at the feet of a master tradesman in order to learn the trade. As apprentices to Jesus, we recognize that we need to know how to live life according to God's plan and then look to Jesus to show us the way. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus spells out exactly what it looks like to be his apprentice. He says, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. John Mark Comer, a pastor who has led his church to embrace this call of being apprentices for Jesus, notes that apprenticeship, in, I can't say that word, apprenticeship, there we go, involves three things. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And as we spend time with our Lord, through practicing the spiritual disciplines like praying, scripture reading, being in silence, worshiping him, and so many other things, we begin to become like him in our thoughts, which will ultimately help us to live like he lived. If we are going to be participants in the Great Commission, then we must be willing to lay ourselves down and live our lives according to the way of Jesus. The second and third ways that we participate in the Great Commission is through going and giving. John Wesley had 12 rules for preachers that served under him in ministry. And this was rule number 11. He said, you have nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. Let's be people who orient our lives around the advancement of the Great Commission. Going is twofold. First, it is a commitment to go across the street and tell our neighbors and friends and family about the good news of Christ. Here in the North Country, just over 
are considered evangelical Christians. And I know many of us have probably had uh, questions or conversations about our faith and religion with non-believers, right, here in the North Country. And for the most part, they were open to talk and cordial. It's not as hard and as scary as we make it out to be, or at least how the enemy wants us to think that it is. In our world today, we have a hard time when people withhold truth from us, right? You see it in the news all the time. And to some, it's even worth fighting and dying for. So as apprentices of our Lord and Savior, don't withhold the truth. We have the greatest news in the history of the world, and we need to share it. Because it indeed was worth dying for. Amen? But that doesn't just stop in the North Country. We must go to the ends of the earth. One second. I've done a lot of talking and singing this morning, so bear with me. There is one thing that's very admirable about people of the Mormon faith, and that is the seriousness at which they take the Great Commission, their commitment to the Great Commission. Now, these are people who are deeply flawed and deceived in their theology, and yet they take the gospel more seriously than many Christians do. Every Mormon young adult is required to give at least a year to the advancement of their false gospel. And actually, the, the person who taught me how to play guitar was one of my friends I worked with named Tommy, who was a Mormon, and he was preparing to travel to California to begin his mission. This was 15 years ago, I think. And even though I disagreed with much of what he believed, I couldn't help but admire his loyalty and his commitment and determination to not let anything stop him from fulfilling what he felt was God's calling on his life. And that included opposition, not just from the world, but from Christians as well. Wouldn't you love to see every young adult in the church be encouraged to give a year to missions? Where's our young adult group? Raise your hand. Do you have any? Mike. We did have a couple in here. Wouldn't we love to see every adult, regardless of your age, commit to going on short-term mission trips multiple times throughout their lives? Can you imagine what would change if we all committed to going in that way? We know the need, but will we respond? Acts 16, 9 through 10 says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The unreached people groups in our world today are saying to us, Come and help us. Come and come to fill in the blank with hundreds of countries that are in need of the gospel of Christ and help us. They are in need of sent ones who will bring the good news of the gospel to them. Will we respond to the call? Listen to this quote from William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army. Every time I read this, it just hits home even more. He says, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go 
and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to believe, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. I know this is slightly heavy stuff to think of the billions and billions of people who could be dying this moment, any one of them, and going to spend an eternity away from their Savior. And this isn't to discourage us. This is to encourage us. We must take the flame of the Spirit that resides in each one of us as believers and go ignite the world. Because, oh, they perish, they perish. Today, you and I can go share the gospel with our neighbors, but there's something else that we can do, and that is to give to our Alliance International workers that are on the ground in those unreached people groups and their countries. Dave, if you could throw up that slide. Oh, he was already on it. Good job. Okay, so it might be a little hard to see, but this highlighted area in red is where 80% of our Alliance International workers are serving as missionaries. But this red doesn't just represent where the missionaries are, it also represents where many of the unreached people in our world are. We have over 700 international workers and the majority of them are serving in places where people are the least likely to hear the gospel. And that is what I love about the Christian and Missionary Alliance, is that on a whole, compared to some other denominations and Christian organizations, we might not send the most missionaries out, but as a percentage, we send more missionaries to those, those countries than many other Christian organizations, to countries that we can't even say what the name is. We can't even talk about the people who are there or say anything about them for fear of their lives. And you and I are a part of their stories by giving to the Great Commission Fund. Last year, our church gave almost $23,000 to missions through the Great Commission Fund representing a little over 11% of our total budget. And as a church, we've put our money where our mouth is by not just saying that we believe that the Great Commission is important, but by donating substantially to it. I am glad that we are a church that embraces this crucial ministry and hope that as we grow and as the Lord blesses us, that that percentage would just increase exponentially. When we give to the Great Commission Fund, we're supporting the work of all of our international workers and the additional work like church planning and disaster relief. And if you take a look at the screen, we're gonna have a short video that describes a little bit more about Alliance missions. Great Commission Day is an opportunity between April 1 and June 30th for churches to specially focus again on international missions, to respond in prayer and to give financially so that the 700 workers around the world in the Alliance can remain present in their places. The theme of GC Day 2022 is be present. It's an invitation to be present to what God is doing in our midst, but it's also a reminder that the best way to carry the gospel around the world is to be present 
our workers have to be physically in places to communicate the gospel. It's why, for example, we're able to get aid to folks suffering in Ukraine through Kama because people have been present in that country. And national leaders have been raised up to receive that kind of aid. And we have situations like that all over the globe where our workers may be, in a literal sense, the only gospel presence that people may encounter. So this year, as we celebrate GC Day, let's remember to pray for workers who need to be present and to give generously and sacrificially so that we can be present with them, living the call together. Thanks for your partnership in the kingdom. It means so much. So today I want to challenge us to a couple of things. One is to pray daily for all of your international workers and all of the unreached people groups that they are going to witness to. As you leave today, if you want, take a picture of our awesome missions wall out there so that you can see the faces and the names of all of our international workers so that you can pray for them. Two is while we are all called to ministry of sorts to make disciples, there are some of us who may be called by God to give our whole lives to ministry as pastors or as missionaries. And so if you're feeling the Lord tugging on your heart in this way this morning, we'd love to have a conversation with you about it. Just take one of your connection cards that's in front of you, and in the comment section, just write what you feel the Lord is leading you to, and just slip it in the offering box in the back. And finally, three is to give to the Great Commission Fund above and beyond your normal giving to the church. As we said before, here at North Country Alliance Church, we have the vision to see our community and world develop a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. And your giving to our church's general fund helps us do that here in the community. But your giving to the Great Commission Fund helps support that in the unreached places of the world. So how can you give? You can give via cash or check. Make sure you write Great Commission Fund in the memo of your check or on the giving envelope. Every cent that you designate toward the Great Commission Fund will go straight to the national office and straight out to those who need it most. You can also give online on our website, northcountryalliance.com.